John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You are in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Lord God Almighty, for your love for us. You teach us so we can be better, be refined, be equipped and polished to stand for you this day, just like you stood for us. And we're a shining example to the world. And even up to today, even those who do not even believe you to be the Lord and Savior cannot fault you for your teaching, your character, and your message. Help us to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Our Lord calls us and equips us. And when he has called you to be his servant and given you gifts, and he happens to place you in that leadership bracket, he expects you to be a good minister. And as we've said, there are a number of things that he expects to be developed in you. He expects you to instruct believers about teaching, good and bad teaching, to nourish yourself in the Lord and in the faith, to avoid frivolous speculations and useless teaching, to exercise yourself in godliness. You are to be a man and a woman of reason and purpose and direction. You are to be the person who works and is willing to work tirelessly for the Lord, not seeking personal comfort. You command and teach the things that the Lord expects you to teach, not just what people want to hear. Then, be an example to the believer. That's where we stopped, be an example to the believer. And being an example to the believer, he gives at least six areas. Six areas. Be an example to the believer in word. What it means that control your conversation and tongue at all times, no matter what the opposition is. And I can hear somebody saying, Jehovah, help me. Yes, truly. Be an example to the believer second in behavior, in your conduct. A true follower of the Lord must be willing to live in all godliness and righteousness. Up to the point where somebody may even say, are you Jesus? Yes, because that is how Christians got their nickname in Antioch. They were behaving like Jesus. And so Christians became a nickname. And that's what we are called today. Thirdly, you have to be an example to the believer or to the world in terms of love. Let love be the driving force. Not sensual love, but that pure agape love. The love, the sacrificial love, the one that sees Jesus and others before yourself. Or selfishness. Number four, you have to be an example to the believers in spirit. That is, you are led by the spirit, keeping an eye on spiritual things. You are to have a quality of life about you that makes others believe that, yes, this man, this woman is a spiritual person. Not just by the tongue you speak or you don't speak, but there's some aroma, there's some aura around you, there's some force around you. You say, this is a holy man. This is a holy woman. When you enter somewhere without anybody saying it, 
They must feel you. They must know you. And that's God's glory. You cannot fake it. You must also be an example to the believers in faith, in faithfulness, and be loyal. I see people changing churches, changing pastors, changing jobs, changing left, right, left, right, left, right. An old pastor I know says, he said something that a rolling stone gathers no moss. Billy Graham has said something. If you see a perfect church, don't join it because you will spoil it. What is the meaning? Sometimes when you stay with people, you learn, you grow. When you stay with others, they correct you and you correct them and we grow together. Faith and faithfulness does not mean that you should not correct those who are wrong. But being a good minister means you are faithful and loyal to what God has called you to be and to do. Number six, be an example to the believers in terms of purity, that you must live a life that is moral and is clean. You are honest. You are free completely from coveting, lust, worldliness, and all these underhanded things that you do, all these known sins. Your life must be pure and exceed the standards of the world. Your heart and life are to be pure. Friends, with these standards, I can only say, Lord, help me. Like the way the disciples said, Lord, help our unbelief. If you don't help us, who can help us? That is why the, the, the minister must go to the Lord and say, if you have called me, or since you have called me, Lord, help me to be what you want me to be. The ninth one is what does the minister do? He goes to public to do the work of God, preaching and teaching. There are three particular things that are mentioned in this 1 Timothy 4, 13. So you as a believer, you as a minister, say, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. In this context, the olden church didn't have Bibles for people to read. So the script that has been given to Timothy, you read it and everybody will hear. But in context, what he's saying is that we must encourage believers to read the word of God. There are people who, who we don't encourage them to read the Bible. They come to listen to us and the small, small things we throw at them on the screen. So encourage the reading of the word. What does it mean? Let them read, let them know what the word of God is. Exhortation. Exhortation. And then teaching. New Testament gives a very important definition of exhortation. And I'm reading something from the Wycliffe Bible Commentary. It says, exhortation means comfort, encouragement, admonition, exhortation, the whole area of ministry, which today is described as counseling. But here, the context favors the ministry of preaching and expounding the scriptures. You see, exhortation means encouraging people by encouraging them with the word of God. You are counseling them. So the good minister is a counselor, is a teacher. You are to know your word. Right? The Spirit of God should lead you into all truth. That people, sometimes they, all they need is correction, direction. Not the one they say, because we've left all those things to some people who are saying, I'm giving you divine direction. Because now we've divided it, it's not a part or the duty of the pastor. Don't let it be like that. Do 
these three things. Teach people to read the word of God. Teach them and exhort them in doctrine. But the tenth one, the good minister is not to neglect the gift that he has been given. God gives each and every one of us a spiritual gift. And that's the anointing that has been given to you to be a minister. That gift for Timothy came because God has given it to him when he called him. Elders confirmed it in prophecy, the laying of hands. But to neglect it is very dangerous. When to neglect it, it means you have failed to do what God has called you to do. You are unfaithful. How can somebody neglect to use their gift? You see, I'm a pastor, so I know what sometimes the pressure is. Oh, in my lifetime, it was popular for somebody to be called an evangelist. Oh, that was the thing, evangelist. Then, oh, to be called a pastor, it's a great title. Now, what is it? You must be a prophet. So, what does a prophet do? They prophesy about what? What would be the next one? Other pressures. What should be the size of your church? What must they be doing? What should people wear? But what is your gift as a minister? Is it? You see, and even God, see, when you read the scripture, let me just, I can go on and on, but when you, when you read the scripture, it's interesting. All the gifts are from God. Or they are by God. But God's spirit distributes it to everyone just as he wishes. And the results are determined by God. So let's take a quick example. God has given somebody the gift of teaching. But Christ can make that person an effective teacher in Sunday school, children's class. Or an effective teacher in a university congregation with philosophers. Or God can make that person a good teacher in teaching people in the language church levels. Same gift, but different ministries as the Lord determines it. So somebody can see himself teaching children's department. So nobody knows me in this church. I'm just at the basement there. Nobody knows about me in this village. And you despise and neglect your gift. Rather, you are coveting to be that prophet, that evangelist, that's this and that and that. He's saying, please, do not neglect what God has given you. You know a secret. When you are faithful in using what God has given you, then you can endlessly desire for more. And the reward for a good work that you do with what God has given you is more. It is not to neglect what God has given you and then you go and lust after other things, whether that means going to juju, going to buy anointing, going to buy, uh, to do whatever. Because that one, the day will come. Lord, did we not heal? Did we not prophesy? Did we not do this? Did we not do this? Say, I don't know you. Very frightening scripture in Matthew 7. You did not do all these things in your name. Say, get away from me, you workers of evil. I don't know you. So Paul wants Timothy. Do not neglect the gift. Use it and ask for more. If you need more, God will give you. But if you neglect it and you are coveting others, remember, 
you are on a slippery road to destruction. So, the minister, don't neglect your gift, use it. Then the 11th one, the good minister meditates on the word of God. You are constantly on the word of God. I read a commentator, uh, Martin William Barclay. He says something very interesting, which I'll just summarize. So when the minister is reading the word of God, it's not just to go into the word of God and read and read and read it, but you must also be reading the newspapers and listening to what is going on around the world. Then you begin to see what God is saying. See, the great danger of the Christian leader is intellectual sloth. That's laziness and the sharp mind. The danger is that he forgets to study and allows his thoughts to run in well-worn grooves. The danger is that he never gets outside the orbit of a limited number of favorite ideas. The danger is that new truths, new methods, and attempts to restate the faith in contemporary terms comes merely to irritate and to annoy him, the Christian leader must be a Christian thinker. Or he fails in his task. And to be a Christian thinker is to be an adventurous thinker so long as life will last. You are a thinker. That's who your master is. He can say, you heard, you heard of old it was said that do not commit adultery. Oh yeah, yeah, they've heard it. Where adultery means you have gone to take somebody's wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all agreed. So I am telling you this. When you think about somebody and you are lusting after the person, you have already committed adultery. What's the thing? They begin to hear Jesus say, we have never heard anybody teach like that. What is he saying? You soak yourself in the word of God, but you are also aware of your environment. So all these tricks and all these lies that have been told, you have a way that God helps you to be contemporary. The message has not changed. But your application, your illustrations, how you understand the Ukraine war, what is happening around the globe, how you interpret it in the light of Scripture. Remember, John wrote the last Scripture revelation, but the Lord hasn't come yet. And he still expects you and I to be relevant. Ask the Lord to help you. This technology now. The internet around this whole world, what do you understand about it? Whilst you are reading, people are Googling, finding, what is Google? What is this? You don't understand any of those things. You give yourself to the word, but you still give yourself to the world so that you'll be relevant, speaking the language of the world. Then last of these ones, the good minister guards himself and his teaching. Just take heed of yourself. Keep a strict eye upon Yourself, paying attention to what you are teaching. Again, he's referring to the leader, the teacher, paying attention to himself. How does this work out? It's a very difficult thing. I would say, personally, it is a hard matter. I say it's a hard matter because there are certain things you cannot avoid. Paul, using himself and Apollos and Jesus, and Peter teaches me something like this. Paul started the church in Corinth. Obviously, when he left there, Apollos also went there to teach. Then 
I don't know whether Peter ever taught there, but there were people there who knew about Peter, and obviously they knew about Jesus. And all these Corinthians people had all kinds of troubles. And to make their troubles very worldly, it looks as if they now belong to party. Party A, B, C, D. Party, political party, tribal party. So he said, you these people, what are you doing? Some say, I belong to Paul. Obviously, the pioneers. Some say, I belong to Apollos because they like someone who can talk, who can rap. Some say, I belong to Cephas. They are the traditionalists. Yeah, Titiphon were there. Baptize, baptize them, circumcise them. And some say, I don't want to be in anybody's group. I belong to Jesus, the holier than thou people. Paul, who wants to guard himself, who doesn't want any of these things to affect him, realize that I have my gift, I have my ministry determined by Jesus. Cephas has his gift, he has his ministry determined by God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Peter has his gift, his ministry, his temperament, his education. The three of them have their different gifts. He said, who are we? We are only God's servants to work on his church. So he's telling these worldly people, this childlike behavior that they brought into the church. Who is Paul? Who is Timothy? Who is Apollos? We are all God's servants. Now get the punchline. It must take the minister, you, yourself, if I'll speak like that. When people are comparing you, making you feel bigger than God, or making you feel that you are this and that, to accept and tell yourself, I am only a servant of God. You cannot prevent what people will say for you, about you, against you. You cannot. But it's a heart issue. Whether you truly humble in your heart, whether you truly see yourself as a servant of God, whether you are striving to be the best you can, and when you are trying, one of all those comparisons, they may come and make you feel like going somewhere to pass somewhere to get certain powers, or feel you run away because I'm not doing well. Just be honest. Lord, am I doing what you have called me to do? So Paul can tell Timothy, that young timid guy in 416, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You will save yourself and your hearers. There are ministers who have destroyed themselves because of envy, self-pity, greed. Paying attention to things that you, have not, you shouldn't pay attention to. Being criticized by people who have no business criticizing. Of course, it's the truth in it. Listen or despising yourself. May God wake you up today that to be a good minister, the battle is in the mind, in the soul, in the spirit, and you are not the first. God will help you make it. To see how this story ends, Paul does not only tell Timothy to be good in this, but he gives him one more charge. He only go to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He tells Timothy, watch it, guard yourself. But then he said, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you should, or you would a father, younger men as brothers, and older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. 
Here, he's telling Timothy, accept to correct people as a family. And he's listing the type of people you have in a family. So Timothy is young, but there are men who are older than him. There are men who are younger than him. There are women who are older than him. And there are younger ladies who are younger than him and others. How do you treat all these people in the congregation? You, as a leader, you have a responsibility towards them. Elderly men are to be treated as fathers. Timothy, you are a young man. But in age, some are old enough to be your father or grandfather. So what do you do? Respect them. Now, what he's telling him here is this. They may be old, and they may be more experienced than you. They may have more wisdom in dealing with life. But it doesn't mean that they are always right. Because truth be told, sometimes those who are old and older than you think you are foolish. They think you don't know anything. They may be wrong in their thinking, but they have acquired a lot of experience. They have done a lot of things, so people listen to them. They are naturally this. Or they may have money, they may have title, they may have experience. But then he tells them, Timothy, you treat them gently. The point is this. You treat them with respect. Rebuke them lovingly, gently, correct them. If an older man ever needs to be corrected, he must be corrected and disciplined as a father, not as an enemy. He is to be approached and exhorted, appealed to, you plead with him, just as you will with your earthly father. So don't think, I'm a pastor. I'm 15, 20, 30, 40, 50. I'm an anointing. So somebody who is 70, 80, you just stand in public and dress them down. Even in our culture, they say you are ill-mannered. Yeah, I'm the pastor. I've been given the authority. He balances it. Elderly men should be treated as fathers. Now, there are people who are younger than you. How do you treat your brother? Well, you kick them around. Oh, this is my junior brother, this, this, and you are nothing, you have nothing. That's how people who think they are older than other people treat them. So, oh, half for teenagers, they don't know anything. Half for young people, they don't know anything. That's why they don't want to come and be near you. They don't want to be in teen chapel. They don't want to be children's chapel. Some people, you, you see them, they are going to chapel. Nowadays, people by 15, 18, they know a lot. 9, 10, they know a lot. But you treat them, excuse me, you say, I say they have nothing in their head to offer because you know more than them. Particularly when you have some anointing of God. Then you think all these people have nothing. You must tell everybody what to do. Yes, once upon a time, God anointed Samuel. And God was calling him by to Eli. And Eli told him what to hear. So Samuel had to listen. Somehow, the older man said, next time you hear that voice, Lord, speak. Master, speak for your servant here. There should be that family harmonious relationship for the elderly to be related to by the pastor, the pastor to relate to the younger ones, to be brought up in a family because the characteristics of God's family is that of love. Then when it comes to the younger to the elderly women, they are to be treated as mothers with all the respect that you can, but also give them responsibility in the congregation, responsibility that comes naturally to them and not to despise them. 
I'll share with somebody the example of the greatest or the biggest church in the world. You can Google and find out. Poyongi chose church, Yoido Full Gospel Church. The man was pastoring the church. The church was growing. He fell ill and he thought he was about to die. They kept asking the Lord, who am I going to leave the church for? To do what? The Lord I have given you the people, but you are not using them. He thought through, who are the people? And the Spirit ministered to him. There are mothers here. There are people here who can do the work. But you don't recognize them. You don't even appreciate them. Well, the time we went there for a seminar, and I believe it's largely true, in typical Korean societies, women do not go out to work. They are available. They pray. They are in the church. They are the background. So Yonggi Cho had nothing to lose. He went to the elders. I'm dying, and I want to empower the women to serve. That's what I feel God saying I should do. He empowered these women to serve. Boom. The church exploded. These women had the anointing. They had the motherly nurturing properties and qualities. They had time on their hand. They could fellowship. They could do all of these things. They could be multitasking and doing all that they could do. Shall we begin to give the elderly mothers the opportunity? Sometimes I went to their prayer mountains and you see them, pensioners, retirees, just coming to pray and they love God. Oh, my brother. Don't say these people are too old. You see, Timothy was able to approach them and they were also willing. Say, don't be shy of them. Appeal to them as mothers. I need help. Come along, pray with me, support me. I'm your child. I'm growing. If I make the mistake, teach me. This is for the younger ladies. Uh, they have not been married yet. Timothy, they are women. They are your sisters. Treat them with purity. You are their pastor. Respect them. Don't go around telling Sister A, Sister B, that the God say I should marry you. Marry them, change your mind tomorrow, this and that. Don't do that. No. Don't go and be doing those things. I've done anointing, I'm the prophet. I'm interested in you. Give the person opportunity to say yes or no. If they rebel, who wants to marry a rebellious sister? Don't go and take advantage of them. Lay hands on them and say, and people have done all of them. God says, give me your car, give me your house, give me this. Because you are the one lasting after it. When you do that, they will not respect you. Young ladies are to be treated as sisters. So you see, God's house is not a house of chaos. It's a house of order. It's a house where the spirit rules. And even where the spirit rules, there are guidelines. And that's what Paul taught Timothy. Live in the world. Live for the world. And give yourself to this task. And then I'm telling you, when the master comes, you hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, my friend, you heard me talk about this, the calling, how to be a good minister. Has God called you to be a minister? You have to respond to this. Has God called you? Are you being a good and faithful minister of God? The light is shining. You've seen yourself in a certain light today. Can you ask God, cleanse me, forgive me, why I've erred. And he'll cleanse you. He'll forgive you. He'll shape you up so that you live for him and be the minister he's called you to be. Maybe you are tired. Ask him to strengthen you. Go back. Read your word and see yourself in the light of that word. 
the Lord will teach you and correct you. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am lonely and humble. But this same Lord, if you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, and you are hearing all these standards that he's given to those who are called to be his ministers, and you are saying, Lord, how can I even begin this journey of being your child and then move on to become your minister? I tell you, he's reaching out to you. You reach out to him in prayer and pray after me. Lord Jesus, I know what I feel within me is your spirit talking to me. I am a sinner. Today, forgive me my sin. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me turn away from the world, the sin, and the devil, and follow you. Teach me, direct me to your house, to your people, where I will grow and be who you have made me to be and called me to be. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. If you prayed this prayer, we have our contacts on the line. You can approach us. We'll help you. Or any Bible-believing church will be able to help you. Stay blessed until we come back to you again. God loves you, and so do we. Amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Bay. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyal Filling Station. Our Amasamine campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamine Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via calvarybaptistghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.